Welcome back to another episode of Bopcast, where it is my job to break down the moments and the stories that changed people's lives so you can learn from people who are breaking the mold regardless of the status quo. And today on the show, I have my man, David Justice, and David is doing exactly that. We connected on Instagram, and uh, he actually asked to be on the show, one of the very uh, rare folks that asked to be on. It just, it really has to fit the mold of the show, and I just, you know, I knew David fit that mold. And to go a little bit more into it, he broke down exactly how he went from uh, being a college student to then dropping out almost immediately to join the Army, uh, living in Alaska there, becoming a car salesman for Mercedes, and then marrying his wife, starting a couple LLCs, starting a third. LLC uh, to then create micro greens, which are small plants, um, as well as being a realtor at the same time. I know that was a lot and we can definitely learn from his story. He speaks about how he became a realtor so fast, uh, trying to become a realtor literally in two weeks, um, which I think is crazy amongst other things. A lot to learn in this episode, specifically from David's story and how he did what he did. So thank you for tuning in, really appreciate it. Um, My name is Sully, also known as Ryan Sullivan. I'm the founder of Bobcast, founder of Podcast Principles. I'll digress on that. You can look more into me on the website in the show notes, but today let's get to David's episode. And as you know, our sponsor is SodaBeats.com. Please use our link in the description to try that. All right, guys, let's get to the show with David Justice. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Bobcast. Today on the show, I have my man, David Justice. So you reach out to me on Instagram, right? Yeah, you did you find me on Instagram? Yes, I did. Yep. I think it was like a hashtag. The great power of social media, right? Like, <laughs> you gotta love it, man. Um, and because that's just that could happen. Um, you know, New Jersey podcast. I just throw that, you know, in the in the uh, hashtags, and then people can find you. It's amazing. But um, thank you for being here today. I really appreciate it. You reach out to me. Um, you know, you had this book coming out, and so that was definitely of of some interest. But uh, as far as the podcast goes, I'm I'm excited to kind of dive into. Um, kind of like the life that you've built for yourself and the decisions that you've made, which is the basis of your book. Um, but David, if you could just give uh, the listeners a gist of who you are and what you do. And uh, from there, we will just let the conversation go. So take as much time as, you, as you'd as like to do that. Absolutely. So um, for anybody who doesn't know me, my name is David Justice. I'm from actually Wilmington, Delaware. Um, I currently reside in South Jersey, though. Um, my main, uh, I guess you could say career is I'm in real estate and I'm also a, the co-owner of urban grown LLC. Uh, we create microgreens, which we can go into a little bit later. Um, but then I'm also a first time author. So, um, young, young entrepreneur, just trying to, I've kind of found three avenues that I, I really like that I enjoy that are growing and, um, I'm ready to share what's worked for me. So there's a few different ways. There's probably more than a few different ways that we can go um, here and now, David. But to set the context for people, you know, were, were did you have entrepreneurial mindset, entrepreneurial spirit growing up? Like, did you think that you were going to be a re, uh, go into real estate? Did you think you were going to have a business? Um, I'd like to start a little bit back, a little bit further with you know, how were those, were there influences there? Like for me, it's like, I had like some neighbors, um, like it's weird. I did like a, I thought about the other day, like half of my neighbors have businesses. It's just, I don't know. It's just weird. Like it just kind of serendipitously happened, you know? 
Um, so I always like to think about those kind of influences, whether they're direct or indirect. So how did that kind of come about? Did you have that kind of mindset? Did you build it on your own? Can you just speak a little bit on that? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I feel like I don't know, um, you know, how you know, we're both young guys. I don't know. I don't remember the word entrepreneur being thrown out young. I do remember business owners. Um, I did have, you know, friends of the family. Um, I don't remember having any direct or like immediate family members or friends that were business owners. Um, but my dad, John, was a, a salesperson, a car, uh, you know, in car dealerships. So I kind of got sales from a little bit, um, but nothing that I wouldn't really say direct. Um, I did always have like a go-getter mentality, whether it was sports or school, or if it was uh, like a farm ranger or something like that, I always kind of naturally had that. Um, but my main thing was I was always a people person and I always knew I wanted to be in a business that I dealt directly with people. Um, whether that was sports, whether that was sales, whether that was engineering, I wanted to really deal with people directly. Um, but as far as influence, I mean, reason, the reason I got really into entrepreneurship was kind of wasn't really planned. I didn't really know it. I, I did know I wanted to earn, own multiple businesses down the line, you know, but I didn't know when. I didn't know the path. I didn't know the industry. Um, my career kind of started in college for a year. Didn't really, I, I just didn't really take it serious, to be honest. Um, and I kind of wanted to get some discipline back in my life. Uh, joined the military for a couple of years. Um, just did one term. Um, and when I got out of that, I kind of really didn't know, you know, most people think we got military get out. Everybody wants to hire. It's not the case. Um, so I was pretty much trying to find an industry to get into. Long story short, a guy trying to sell my car was like a crack dealer and big time. Yeah. And uh, I figured if he could do it, you know, nothing against him, but I just figured I had a clean record and stuff. If he could get in the car, sales, I could do it. My dad did it. So that's how my sales career kind of started. Um, long story short, I moved back to East Coast. I was in Alaska at the time. And, uh, you know, I, I pretty much was really good, always top two or three, but um, I just felt underappreciated. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go on my own. And that's how I got into real estate. Wow. And I, I have to stop you there because there's too much to go into. Um, <laughs> but I have to say this. And for people who have listened to the last previous interview, um, my friend, he's a, he's a rapper, artist. Um, he's also a car salesman. And okay. uh, he touches on it on the podcast exactly what you just said he's underappreciated and he's the top in the top three salespeople. and it's like and then off camera we went into kind of the politics and you know which you know exactly you had the same exact experience as yeah. him i guarantee yeah. and so and and you know what it is i think not to go too it's i guess in the same vein is a lot of 90 percent, maybe 90 percent. it's like aggressive number but most companies have a toxic work environment it's it's cra it's crazy kind of when you think about it people are going to work every day working in these toxic environments and by that and i know that's like a word that people throw around but by that i kind of just mean like people are all they're all out for themselves there's not like a team um you know everybody's just trying to like they think that making you fail will make them win things like that um and, and it's just so funny that you mentioned that and that was your start like i was a mechanic so that was my you know, that's how I was in the car game. I flipped cars, um, but I, I, you know, I sell a lot of used cars and stuff like that, but I never was like an actual salesman on a lot. Um, and then I sold marketing. I sold like, like multi, uh, not multi-level. I was going to say um, like five, 10,000, 20, $30,000, like marketing packages. So that was my sales experience. So everybody's got their, their, their kind of start. If, if you're in business, you probably had some kind of sales role 
And so that seems to definitely be a theme. And I and I won't um, I won't belabor this point or, or talk too much more on this. Uh, I just wanted to mention that as far as so you're in college, right? And just so we can break yeah. down this kind of trajectory, because a lot of people listening to the show might be in college or post college. You're in college and you realize this isn't for me is right. And then that's how you got into the military. Like, what was that moment in time like when you're like, oh, I want some discipline. I want to go in the military. Like, how did that happen? Yeah. So, I mean, um, everybody's told that's what you got to do is go to college. I still, for anybody listening, I still want to go back and finish. Um, I'm just a firm, you know, some people are not with the education system. think college is a joke overpriced. And other people, you know, they think that's the only way. I'm kind of in the middle. I think that you college is great if you know what you want to do. Many 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 19-year-olds don't know what they want to do. So therefore, I think it's a waste of money for some people. But if you know you want to be a doctor, you know you want to be a scientist, whatever, I mean, you, I wouldn't trust a doctor doing surgery on me if they didn't go to school. Um, so for me, that's kind of the path I was going. I wouldn't say I was made to go. I was just kind of following what, you know, what life tells you, I guess you should do. Um, I was an A and B student. Um, my mom says I could have went to Ivy League. I just didn't really care about school that much. So um, that's kind of why B's were kind of easy for me. Um, when I went, I think my problem was I didn't go to the school that I should have went to. And that kind of started the, the process. Um, I wanted to go to a school big on diversity, a huge school. I wanted to go to Florida, somewhere down there. And I went to HBCU, number one, Lincoln University. I always rep them. But um, that wasn't my number one choice. I went there because I got a full ride, not because I wanted to go there. Um, and I think that's what started the problem. And the way I found enjoyment was the people were cool. Partying was awesome. Cause most people can probably relate to that. Um, I was... Uh, a pre, I don't know what you call it, a pastor's son. So um, my my father and my mother, they were assistant pastors, ministers. So I was always at church. So I, I was cool with people at school, but I didn't go to parties. I didn't drink. I didn't do none of that in high school. So when I went to uh, a party school, I went buck loose. And um, yeah, it was it was a great time. I, I still have a lot of close friends from there. Um, but it just, I think I just went there for the wrong reasons and I got involved in the wrong stuff. And I pretty much came back second semester of freshman year. And I was just like, yeah, I just think, I don't know if college is not for me, or I just know this path ain't the right way for me. So um, that's why I was like, I need a reset. And it was go back home. It was stay here and, you know, work another job while I'm here and keep going down the path. Or it was what I thought was the next option in the military. Um, I was already considered in high school. So I was just like, why wait when I could just do it right now? So, um, yeah, I, I didn't do my parents dirty. I did let them know, but I already had pretty much came to a decision. And I said that last meeting, I will let you guys be there. Um, and, you know, I got out second semester. Two weeks later, I was in uh, Maryland. And a week later, I was in Oklahoma. Wow. Incredible, man. I, I love that story. And I love that you are – I love that you, how you talk about college. I mean, it's just – that's the truth. And I think that you, I guess you just, you know, Hey, you got the full ride. Like how, why am I, how am I going to turn this down? You know, even if it's not the fit. And I think how are kids supposed to know you can't tour three colleges and just know, you know, I mean, it's just who you kind of just like picking the one that has the most pros versus the most cons, but it's not like people are trying to find the ideal fit, you know, the ideal college for them. And, and I think I got, I got kind of lucky. I mean, I ended up, well, I went to community college first. So that, and, and that probably would have mitigated what I think the, obviously tra the trajectory of your life is it is what it is now. And it all worked out, but, um, co community college really did that for me. Cause I didn't have that chance. I actually, 
I was the opposite of you. Um, I was, I mean, my parents were like Catholic, but they weren't religious as far as like we went to church like a few times, you know. Um, but I didn't have that side of things. I got all my partying out in high school. I partied like, you know, <laughs> junior year, senior year. I don't even remember. So like I got all that out and then bang, dude, right after school, I'm going to community college. Everybody's gone and it's just me. And I had two years to like grow myself and that two years was formative. But, and I think in a lot of cases and similar to yours, it's like, I'm at this college like there's all these people here and we're partying, we're doing all this stuff, but it's like you don't feel like you have a real direction because you didn't really grow you yet, you know? Um, and I think that's powerful. So what, um, and then so from there, you know, what branch of the military did you go into? And then can you just speak on that experience a little bit? Yeah, so um, I went into the Army. I was a field, airborne field artillery. And in a nutshell, I jumped out of planes with a certain amount of people with like howitzers, like cannons and stuff. And we shot miles out over the infantry to give them like air support almost, but on the ground. Um, so there was a lot of, that was like my compromise for my parents was I was in engineer school for engineering. So I said, okay, I want to go combat. You guys want me to still do something around my degree. So I did something math related and it was pretty much, I made sure we didn't shoot our own team, made sure we kind of the trajectory of everything. Uh, so um, it was, it was a cool experience. I never read it. Um, I think I, Sometimes I wish I did longer. Sometimes I don't. Um, I didn't get the chance to deploy. Some people think that's like, you know, you should be grateful. Me. It's like anything. You, you go to school, you go whatever, you get trained, you train to do something, you want to do it. Um, that's kind of how I feel like that was like the last thing. Um, but I also feel grateful that I'm alive because I know some people don't have that experience. Uh, so, yeah, I, I pretty much came from Delaware, got on the bus. Ended up being in Oklahoma in like 24 hours or something. And it's a whole different world. You're in basic training. Everybody, you know, it's not the same thing. Your mom is not smiling at you. Everybody's you know, cussing at you and saying things I won't say on here. And got people from all kinds of places. Um, and the funny thing was, um, it's always weird when I say this. I have two dads. So I have my stepdad and my, my, my biological father. My stepdad raised me, so he'll never, ever hear me call him stepdad. That's my father. Um, but my Bosco father came out like he was in the military for like 21 years. Everyone on that side of the family was Air Force, Army, police, parole, uh, you know, that or banking. So I was familiar with the military. So it didn't scare me when I got there, all the push ups, all the yelling, all the cussing. My dad talked to me like that. I, I didn't it didn't bother me. What really hit me, I thought it was fun. It, it, it sucked, but I thought it was fun. Um, and I also just left college. I was running track. So I was really, I was in really good shape. I mean, I was already working with strength and condition trainers, running, you know, I don't know how many miles a week. I was in good shape. So I didn't really, none of that bothered me. Um, what bothered me was getting in trouble for other people's stuff. It was the sense of unity that, you know, there's no I when you go through basic training. It was, uh, you know, you want to be a team. You want to look like a unit. I was told that you want to get through basic training without the drill sergeant remembering your name. You didn't want to look bad, but you didn't want to look like you're trying to be a superstar either because you wanted to carry the team. Um, and that's what really was kind of a life lesson, I guess, for me, was that you definitely want to grow in your careers or whatever. But at the same time, there's a sense of team. You, you do better together. So whether that's in corporate or whatever, you know, you need to learn to be able to work together with other people. Um, so that was a great experience. I mean, military from Oklahoma, long story, I was basically training all this different training. I went to Georgia for airborne training, and then I ended up in Alaska. So that's where I did most of my time. 
Um, and most people are probably wondering, like, uh, you know, what is you now what is there to do there? Is it igloos? Is there polar bears? What is there there? Um, and it wasn't like that. You know, I was I wasn't too happy when I was going there. I was originally supposed to go to Germany. And you probably are familiar. You could you could be 18 to drink there. So I was like trying to go there. Um, and I ended up going to Alaska. So I was kind of frustrated at first, but it was actually an awesome time. Um, definitely opened my mind to the world. And um, yeah, that's where, that's where I ended up getting out after that. So um, I think military is great for a lot of young people that don't know what they want to do. If you want to get out, um, I'm from Delaware, second smallest state, nothing wrong with Delaware. I love my hometown, but it just felt like I knew everybody. Everything was kind of same. Nothing was exciting. The only things I could describe about my, about my state was that we had no sales tax, Joe Biden's from there. And we were the first state to sign a constitution. Like that was the only things I could think of. So I kind of wanted to go, you know, just get out there. I didn't care where it was. So um, Alaska was a little extreme, <laughs> but I think if somebody's looking to get out of their hometown, the military could be a good you know, solution. If you want school for free. Um, I met a lot of people that came from other countries that didn't have a visa. They were trying to get their family into America. So I thought it was very honorable to earn your citizenship by going through the military. I always respected those people. Um, it's just a great opportunity. I just think people got to join it for the right reason. Because I do feel like we lose a lot, a lot of sons and daughters that join the military for the wrong reason and end up losing their life too. Yeah, and I kind of, I think about it in terms of the college. It's like you almost, it's not like you went to, it's like you went into the military for the right reason and you, not that, I don't want to say you went into college for the wrong reason, but. You could say the wrong reason. <laughs> it kind of, like that's kind of what, and so sometimes it's flip-flopped, right? Or sometimes they go, people go into the military and then they go to college, um, you know, and it's like any of these routes, but um, I'm really glad that you touched on that. It's like. It's not for everybody, but if you have these things, if you like, if all these things line up, it's like, I want to try new places. I want to get disciplined. I want to be a part of a team. I want to, you know, like all these things, then that kind of seems like the answer. And I have two clients. Um, I have, yeah, a paratrooper and an army ranger, uh, both, both clients of mine who we, I edit and launch a, a podcast for and, and you know, their, their mindset, man, that's what I, that's what I really like about. And I have never, you know, done anything with the military at all, but I really notice the relentless mindset and that's not everybody in the military. I as you probably know, but I, I just, I work with these people and I'm like, okay, like I obviously I'm working for you. Like I'm going to work my hardest, but when they are so tunnel vision, it's like now I got to bring that to the table as well, you know, because that mindset. Yeah. yeah there, I mean, you kind of have to go. I, there are people that naturally are like that, um, and then it, it just works out for them in the military. But I think the mil for you just I wouldn't say survive, not even like in deployment, just in training, just in that environment of um, you're in a place you're not from. Um, and I mean, like, it's not like you just move to a new town, but you can still go to Starbucks. Like, I mean, like, you can't do nothing. Everybody wears the same thing. You were growing your dreads out all your life, and they make you cut it off. And, you know, they talk of they're going to do things to your mother and all kinds of, you know, just being this really weird, you know, place um, to also where, you know, it's also like you're going to get paid, but it's not really going to pay that much when you find out, um, you know, it's just a, it's a very weird area to be in. You have no choice but to adapt really quick or, you know, you cycle out. And I think when people in the military get out of the military or they're still in and they do other things like entrepreneurial related, they have that same mentality that, they, you know, and it's, it's awesome for business. I think a lot of business owners, if they're, if they're military, they'll be very successful. Mm. 
Yeah, both of my clients very successful. Um, one of one of them has um, he's probably got at least two jobs, maybe three, and then like two businesses. He like doesn't even sleep, which I don't agree <laughs> with. But <laughs> and then uh, the other one, you know, um, uh, my friend Jesse, who we're launching a podcast for about finance. Actually, he's a real estate investor. Um, and okay. him and his father would do like college, you know, college towns. They'll take like a house and chop it up in a bunch of rooms and rent it out. And it's like, you know, yeah, anybody can do that. But when you have the mindset, you kind of like, mm -hmm. I feel like it's also a mindset of, of building. It's not like, like it's, it's a mindset of, of, of lack of satisfaction. It's like when you get to a certain point, you just want the next thing. You want the next mission or whatever. Like, you know, it's, 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 it kind of, it carries through and, uh, that's, that's really important. And, so going from there, I mean, so after Alaska, you know, you, you get out of the military then at, at that point, right? You, yeah. go, you go home. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, um, I met my wife in Alaska. Um, I was originally going to full circle, try to go to Florida when I got out, but, um, I, I stayed longer after I got out, stayed in Alaska for a while. Um, and then we got married. Um, and I convinced her somehow to go from Alaska to the East coast. And now we're in Jersey. Wow, that's crazy. Is it where's she from? So she's so she's American Samoan. Oh, okay. So she's American Samoan. So she's Samoan Polynesian. Um, if you think of um, it's kind of like a controversy which island she's from, but if you think of Moana, that's what my wife looks like. Got it. Okay. So you guys, wow. So that was kind of a lot at one time. You met. What's how how long did you know her before you got married? year and a half year and a half okay that yeah. that's insane like i think you're insane but hey that's me you know like i'm it's so crazy this is why i do this podcast david because like i love hearing like other people's i could never do that it wouldn't matter who the person is like i've been with my girlfriend for a year and a half you know like it's so funny though um i just i love i love hearing these other you know perspectives other than my own because i think that like if i was to tell people like oh you should be together for at least five years or whatever it that doesn't fit just because I might think that it doesn't fit everybody, you know, but, you know, to get back on it. So that was a lot to kind of that happened at one time, like moving back to the East Coast, getting married. Um, so when you got back, like when you got back on the East Coast, was that that's when that sales job kind of happened? Like what what was that kind of transition? Uh, so so um, I'm trying to car sales, I would say is a little bit harder, but it's almost like retailing. You get that job once you could probably get it somewhere else. It might not be the same company. But um, so when I was in Alaska, I was pretty much applying to a couple car dealerships in uh, South Jersey, um, landed at Subaru, Cherry Hill. Um, so pretty much when we got here, I had a job like I was starting like two days later. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where the sales thing continued for a little under a year. Um, was slinging cars over there. Um, and during that time, I was debating. Um, like I said, when I say under underappreciated, it, it depends. Like I say, your front parking attest. It could be when people car sales don't have a good rep. They do not have a good rep. They think we're just the the rats of the earth who just are trying to you know get everybody and screw people. And I'll be honest, there are some salespeople like that, but not everybody is. Some people are just normal people trying to make a living and they do their job. Um, but what happened was we had a lot of change in management and pretty much the next management came along. I was cool with half of them. And there was one in particular that just was trying to uh, drop his balls pretty much as I would say, trying to, you know, stay his dominion. Um, and I, the way I am, like I said, it's not even military before military. I'm very respectable. I say, sir, to everybody, ma'am, you know, if not that, if I'm cool with you, I won't say that, but I'm really respectful. I don't give anybody a reason. Probably only met two or three people that just did not like me. 
Um, so, you know, I'm like, if I'm a top performer, I treat everybody really respectful. I have the military mindset when I come in here. The owners love me. I'm like, there's no reason really, my point. But he he just didn't like that I didn't back down. And we had a moment where I, I was debating it for months. My wife was encouraging me to leave. And I'm like, this is a good paying job. I'm good at it. I like the people there. Why would I leave? Um, but, you know, I just had one instance where I just was like, yeah, I'm, I'm worth it. I'm worth more than this. And I just quit on spot. I had a person at my desk and I just said, hey, bro, you want to take this car sale? He got a free deal. And I just walked out. And that's when I got into real estate. At that point, I just had all the momentum and was like, what do you want to do? So instead of taking months to get my license, I said, I'm going to get it in like a month, two weeks. So I got an accelerated course. Um, and that's right when COVID hit. <laughs> so everything was shut down. So it ended up being a couple months. But uh, yeah, I, I got in around March. I think the shutdown was around 14 or whatever. So it was right, that's literally like the week I joined. So I couldn't actually take my license test till like June. Damn, that's crazy. So you just were like, I'm going to just get this license real quick. I think a lot of people had no disrespect to them. And I think they just, you know, kind of have to fit it into their schedules. But they're like, yeah, I'm getting a real estate license. I just, you know, one 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 uh, meeting at a time. It's like David's like, dude, two weeks, T minus two weeks till I'm out here flipping houses. So I'm like, it, it was nine to five. It was it was nine to five. It was like nine to like two or three or something. But it was pretty much two weeks straight, Monday through Friday. You get your course. And then the plan was to do that. And then I was just going to take my test like the next week, take two weeks to get my license. I was going to have it in a month. But like I said, COVID hit and I pretty much had to remember all the material I had for like two months. Yeah. So it was, it was an interesting time. But I mean, who could plan that they were going to shut everything down? So true and that's when i started my business march 2020 so i feel you man okay, okay. um yeah and luckily we just pivoted to digital very fast and then i'm gonna do a digital Smart. for this whole time <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm like now i'm trying to build the. it's like people always say oh like it's so hard managing a remote team it's like i've only managed remote teams i don't know how to manage an in-person yeah. team you know it's like yeah it's funny i have the opposite um but so how did you know real estate would you were you as you were kind of plotting like that last two months of the job of like i know this isn't perfect but the money He's great. Literally exactly what Turk said on the last podcast too, by the way, like, yeah. like exactly what he said, the same exact situation, which <laughs> that's what I call the power of the podcast. I had no idea you ever did that. And you just came on here and had the same story, which I just think is crazy. <laughs> but so how, why real estate? Like, were you into it? Um, kind of as you were at your job, like, why did you just pivot right to that immediately? So when I was in Alaska, when I got out, um, my first job, my first sales job was car sales and it was Mercedes Benz. I got lucky. I don't know how, but the guy, the general manager there, he was there for like 15, 20 years. Everybody knew him in Alaska. And he just randomly, uh, not quit. I mean, it was like a week or two notice, but he ended up going to real estate. Um, so I remember I, that's the first time that thought ever crossed my mind. I was wondering like, why would he leave when he had like, I'm talking about he's making good money. You know, um, I figured he got married at the time. That's probably why, but that's the first time it crossed my mind. Now track back, um, track for, I should say, like a uh, year, year and a half goes by um, while, I'm, while I'm debating leaving the car business. I'm thinking of different things I could do. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll go, you know, I remember that. It seems interesting. So that's when I kind of started looking more into it. And it seemed like what you do was perfect for my, I'm really good with people. That's, that's how I sell anything is I, people just know I'm trustworthy. People know I'm personal. 
I don't know nothing. I don't, I know a lot, but I don't know. I'm not the person that knows the most product knowledge, but I, I do know, I know how to sell. But then I also am very trustworthy. I tell people like exactly what it is. I'm not pressured at all. I'm really good with people. So I'm like, if I'm good with connecting with people, I'm good at sales. And then who doesn't like looking at cool houses all the time? So it, I was just like, you know what? People are going to buy cars, but the number one purchase most people make is their house. So I was just like, okay. Um, it just seemed like it makes sense pretty much. So I was just like, when I quit, this is, if there's going to be a time COVID hit, I was going to get four low probably anyway. I didn't want to do car sales. It's probably the perfect time. Um, so I just went all in for it. So what did that look like? Fast forward, you get your real estate license, correct? You got, a, yeah. had to get, so you get the license. Fast forward, you know, how are you, what was like that first deal like? Like, what was it like to be now a realtor after going through that? Like, what was that um, kind of period of time when you're starting to like make your, you know, first deal? So most people know, again, when you look into it more, the average real estate agent don't sell his house for six, seven months. And that's literally what it took me, six, seven months. Um, I got my license like the end of June, my first my first paycheck was December, but it was like a small, uh, like a rental deal. I, I don't really count it. Those don't count on the books. Uh, my first actual like sell was like January. So it was about six, seven months. Um, but like I said, I'm like a go-getter. I just quit my job. So I wanted to deal like three months ago, three, four months ago. So that my first deal was very surreal to me because I put so much time I left off the table. But when you first get in, it's, it's just weird. It's probably the same thing for you starting a business when you don't have... A, like a boss or a manager, nothing. Even if you don't have a manager, there's no, it's not a franchise. There's no structure to it. You have to do everything. Um, yes, there's like online courses, there YouTube and stuff. But you just day one, like it's just like what next? Like, and that's literally what it was like on real estate. When they say there's no boss, there's literally no boss. They sponsor my license. They don't tell me what to do. They don't. If I don't work all year, they don't care. Like that's the way it works. So my first month was really weird. It was just like figuring out what the business was, you know, figuring out how to find clients. Uh, what do I wear for work? What schedule should I do? What neighborhood should I go after? Cause you realize there's unlimited business in real estate, whether you're an investor, if you're a real estate agent, wholesaler, whatever, there's, you know, millions of houses, there's huge amounts of neighborhoods. Um, and that was just kind of weird too, is I only had a certain amount of time in a day figuring out where I wanted to advertise. Uh, but when I got my first deal in January, it was very surreal, but kind of how you said about the military months, I was just, is once you get that first check, it's just like, I got to go for a next one. Like it wasn't enough time to really celebrate on it. Um, but my, my first deal took a while. When you learn this business, it's networking. I can't tell you anything today that you're going to buy a house. It's too expensive. It's too big of a commitment, financial thing. It's nothing. It's not a phone. It's not food. I can't sell you today. I can't sell you in a week, but if you want to buy a house, you're going to go find the resources that you need to buy a house. And that's why you want to network as much as possible, whether that's fundraisers, that's whether that's, you know, some people do cold calling, door knocking, whatever you want to do. You just need to meet as many people, make relationships and let them know what you do. That's all I do. And that's, I love it because I'm good at talking to people. So that's why I do podcasts. That's why I do. So I did the book. That's why I do. I play basketball. That's why I, and go to the gym and do different things. That's how I meet people organically. It's very natural. End up being friends with people. And when they're ready to buy a house, they, they call me. Did you learn from anybody in particular as in that real estate 
realm. I just relate it to financial advising and my cousin's a financial advisor. I just had a financial advisor on this show and, you know, they'll learn from the advisors who have five, 6,000 clients and see what they did and then maybe do a variation or, or maybe not. Um, but was there any mentor? I know you taught yourself a lot of this and you did the course, but was there, did you have like a realtor that you could call who's been doing it for 20 years? It's like, Hey, can I run this idea by you? Like, was there anybody like that for you? Yeah. So most brokerages, they'll give you like, they have like a mentor program. You pay a little bit of your money to incentivize the mentor to help you. Um, so my company did that. I got lucky because a lot of mentors in those programs don't care. They don't do it because they, they just don't, they don't always get a new agent that's hungry and they end up not staying in business. And they also got their own business. But I actually got lucky. I got um, my company pretty much. I don't know if it was supposed to be that way, but I'm like the youngest there. So I think they just found the next youngest person. <laughs> I think that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. I, I always yeah, thought it was. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like, you know, for the most part, people want to meet me. I get help. Everybody wants to help me. So it's awesome. And I have time to grow. Um, but the next, his name is Louis Ortiz. That's my mentor. Now we're like really close friends. But um, he literally, they, they pay your mentor to hold your hand. Um, he literally was like a phone call anytime I need to. If I need to do a contract, I understand I can contact him. Um, if I was negotiating, he pretty much would let me still learn on the process, but give me tips on what he used to do. Um, so I, that definitely helped me. Definitely did. And what company are you under? Can you? Yeah, Berkshire that? Hathaway. Berkshire Hathaway. Okay. Yeah, I've definitely, I have listened to podcasts with the, I don't know his first name, the Keller Williams, um, the founder of Keller Williams. Uh, oh, that, Gary Keller. Gary Keller. Yeah. And so I love like, I have no, I'm not in this real estate game, man, but it's so interesting to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, Berkshire Hathaway heard great things about them too. Like I said, I don't know much about it, but, um, yeah, I mean, what if they're, I don't know, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot with this one, but I just, a lot of people ask what's the best advice and that's a great question but i'm way more interested in what's the worst advice you've gotten about real estate is there anything that advice that you got that you applied it and you're like this isn't true or or, or is there anything that you can think of um worst advice that's a weird question i know um, <laughs> and, and i hate to put i don't mean to put you on the spot we could go to best no. advice that'll be easier but no no no, no. um I don't know if there's something necessarily that's bad advice that you'll hear somebody tell you. What I will say is people waste their a lot of time um, just going on YouTube and stuff like that, trying to uh, listen. There's, there's, they'll say, like, there's so many videos you can learn. Dah, dah, dah. Um, I think it's better to just listen to one or two people. If you listen to too many, there's, in a real estate business, everybody does it differently. I can tell you the same thing, and it won't work for you. Everybody has to find their, you know, their way of doing business. I, I do three or four ways of lead source that something might not work for you. And that's the beauty of the business. But a lot of times people follow like three or four different people and they're trying everything. And um, that's that doesn't usually work out too well. I would say in the beginning, my advice was I tried too much. Um, once I found the three or four things that work for me, I started having a lot of results. I call it the, and I believe it's called this, I don't think I coined the term, but it's called the too many mentors theory. Yeah, yeah. Right. And 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 this is what you see online a lot because people try to access gain information online. And if you ask a question and you get a hundred answers, that doesn't get you any closer to the the solution. In my opinion, I think too much information is worse than not enough. I think not enough information, you just add another piece of information until you get to where you're at. And but if you get flooded at first, 
right off the jump, then you don't know where to go. Like you're just confused. You're even more confused than you were before because there's contradictory points, you know? So yeah, I mean, the other day I just talked to in on Tuesday, I talked to three people who do exactly what I do launch people's podcasts, like my direct competition. And we all help each other and give each other tips and stuff like that. This guy sent me a script that he uses that, you know, he with no sweat, man, he was like, yeah, I'll send it to you. Like, and we were literally like in direct competition, you know, and it's, it truly is what you said. Everybody does it their own way, you know? Um, but yeah, as far as that, as like now you're, you were in a position where, like you said, you're on your own, you're creating a business around this real estate. What was it like? How did you decide um, to manage your time? How did you decide to find leads and connect and network with people? Like, I guess we'll start with one of them. Like, how did it, how did you, like you said, it's a big, it's a huge networking thing. How did you go about that? Was it Facebook? Was it LinkedIn? Was it knocking on doors? Like, what was that kind of approach to, all right, I'm going to grow my network to make this happen. But how did you go about Mm -hmm. that? Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, there's different ways you can network. Uh, my main thing is I feel like for anybody is figuring out what you're good at. I know I'm not saying I'm good on the phone or emails and stuff. I'm good. I was, I've done sales for a long time, but I feel like why I close people fast is when they meet me. They're like, this guy is like a true genuine person. How do you, you know, if they don't do business with me, it's because they don't need that product. Like that's the only way it's not going to be that they don't like me as a salesman. So I, what I did was in the beginning, I tried everything. Um, but when I started having, what I have success is, I do leads that gets me in front of people really quickly. Cause I know if I'm on the phone, it takes a little while, but if I can meet you in person, then I can pretty much, I'll find a real, real quick if you want to do business with me or not. So that's one of these sources I do. So I do, um, like I do Facebook groups and I'll be very specific if it's in the area, you know, if you're in Edison, New Jersey, or wherever you're at, if you're in New York, whatever, I pick very specific towns, not the whole city. I pick very specific towns, what they're talking about. They're sharing fundraisers and the school events and stuff. And I just reach out on those things. Or I'll do um, uh, like personal letters. I don't do like postcards that I've blasted out mail. What I do is um, I pretty much personally type them and put them in like wedding envelopes almost. They're very blank. Um, no name, address, tone, whatever. It looks like you got invited to a wedding. And I personally pass those out in neighborhoods that I have clients that are looking for. So some agents will just mail out and they'll say they have a buyer. I do it in areas that I have somebody that they lost, they lost a bidding or like my client says, yeah, I like this house. It's just too small, but if you can get me in this neighborhood, I'll buy it. So now I'll go pass out 50, hundred letters in that same neighborhood. And it's very personal. It just says, Hey, I'm David justice. I'm with someone we're trying to do a Cherry Hill. I have a client looking for a three bedroom, two and a half bathroom, 1,600 square feet. They're already pre-approved and they want a house in the Hidden Mill States. If you have this house and you're interested, thinking about selling, text me right here. I cut the paper in half, fold it up. It's kind of tacky, low key, but I do that and I pass it out. All the houses are the same. And usually I get calls and messages and, and I do really personal advertising. That's, that's the name of the game. I do social media. Um, I do YouTube, um, Instagram, Facebook. Um, like I said, name of my game is, is personal. That's, that's print. the way I do. You also do print. Yes. Yes. And print. <laughs> <laughs> and, man, I love it. I love it. I love it. And I, and I'm saying, I'm so excited about what you said because I know that the new marketing is people. The new marketing is social. The new marketing is value. The new marketing is being upfront. 
um, sales and marketing are like so intertwined now. Um, marketing's job is to make sales jobs, sales easier, right? So you're sending out a hundred things. That's your marketing to make your sale easier, which exactly what it does. And it's direct and personal. And that's the exact approach that I take. I think all CEOs should be half of their day should be just talking to people because that's the real that those are the people that are going to buy your product, your service, whatever. If you can talk directly to them, that's a primary source. That's your yeah, true information. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, we're probably taught to go for the sale, go for a close. And when I was in car sales, like, you know, is there anything I can do? Is there, if I, if price, is price the only thing? If, if I can eliminate price, so we got a deal today. Like that, today, that's like what you're training sales. And I think, um, I, I can't speak for everything, but I just feel like you have more success when you're, you know, yeah, you want your salesman, you want to go for a close. I'm not thinking, I'm not saying you push a sale out for a year or whatever, but a lot of times our, our scripts or our marketing or our conversations are directed to get the business now versus helping them. And if they feel comfortable with you, they probably will come to you. Um, and that's that's what I try to do. I feel like that can apply to any industry. I understand if you're like, your business is growing to a point where, yeah, I mean, you can't, you know, if you're a huge company, you probably can't do personal handwritten letters to thousands of people, but you can still, you know, make an initiative to be very personal with your clients, give everybody a unique experience. It's true. It's true. And uh, yeah, and I think writing a book is great, too. I, I learned th writing a book when I did an interview when I worked for a marketing company, I did interviews for them and, and I interviewed somebody and he go. And so what he did was uh, very common in South Jersey. He would take care of people's houses in the winter when they were in Florida. Right. Or when. Right. And so that was his whole he was like. I don't think I don't know if I don't think it was in New Jersey it was somewhere else. But like he was one of the first ones to create a large business around this. And that's cool. Right. Yeah. And so he created a book about being a snowbird, basically. And so he wrote a book all about how to hire the right person, what they should do, like, you know, all the way down to like the plumbing and everything. So when people ask him, why should we hire you? He's like, I wrote the book. Like on this. So that also brings a level of authority which so does your book and so does the content you create and you're really trying to build that authority so people automatically respect you and trust you and obviously it takes time but and like you said back to your point of up front you want them to respect you trust you and then so down the line when they have the problem that you solve you're there to solve it and and yeah this immediate sales stuff i don't do it when i reach out to people i say what do you do who do you do it for? And how, and that's it. Like, just tell me what you do and who you do it for. So if I find somebody that needs it, I'll send them to you. And if you find somebody that needs it, you'll send them to me. You know, I don't go like, this is what we do. This is the price. Hey, like, do you want to work with me? Like, it's just, it's the old way and it doesn't work. At least it doesn't work now. Um, but yeah, is there any certain, um, you know, sale or real estate flip or sale or whatever that's like really notable to you or one that meant a lot to you in particular? I would say there are two separate ones that kind of go hand in hand. There was one, wasn't really a big deal, a deal I would say money-wise or anything like that, but I think it was my second or third deal. Um, I did, a, a, I had a, a listing, I was helping a seller. I got a random lead, they wanted to buy it. In short case they couldn't, but they didn't have a realtor. So it turned into me helping them too. So I made one until two. Um, and it took a while, but we ended up finding a short sale. It was a new, like I said, I'm new. So this is, I. I just deal with a regular deal. Also, I'm dealing with a short sale and there's attorney involved and stuff. And that was a great deal because their experience was so well. I mean, I, I've met 
they would come with family like deep. I mean, like they would see a house and then they're like, can my parents come? And then my cousins come and whatever. And I met a lot of people within one client, um, which was very unintentional. They just, you know, showed up. And what happened was like, after I closed that deal, two weeks later, she's like, yeah, my niece, you met her there. She's getting married. They're buying a house. So it turned it that quick in my first year within a few months. I got, I sold a family, two houses. Um, and I pretty much, they pretty much told me, you know, I'm going to buy something else next year. So I, that quick, what I, now I don't have to really advertise. That's a genuine, I text them, they asked me about my daughter and, you know, we, we just chop it up, go check on the house every once in a while. That's what I wanted my business to be around was eventually down the line when I'm 10 years in, seven years in, I don't have to advertise because I have a bunch of people that are almost like loyalists that, you know, we're just friends and family and they want to do business with me. So I think that one was probably the biggest one is that I got two out of one family. Mm. Yeah, this happens with cars too, right? Like you have people yeah. that just keep buying, hey, when the daughter needs a car, they come to you because you sold them the father a car, you know? And that's what happens. Yeah. That's what happens with us too. When I DJ somebody's wedding and three of their friends are all engaged, what do you think? As long as I do good, do a good, jo great job, they're going to hire us too. Perfect way to advertise. They're right there watching. <laughs> right? Hey, exactly. I will say, hey, as long as you don't, as long as you do great. And it's like, I work for a company that has a super high standard, super high quality standard, yeah. um, lots of training. So that's our whole business really is referrals. Since we've been back from the pandemic, we have not done any ads. Um, and we've only done, we're in based in South Jersey and 90% of our gigs has have been in South Jersey because we've just and and I say we but really my boss has worked that area so much that it's just like every year they'll do the sweet 16 then the 17th then the 18th birthday you know and they'll do the friend's wedding and that friend's wedding and then you know so yeah I mean dude that referral game that's how you know you have a solid business that's 100% how you know you have a solid business because people know and trust you and they trust you with their family as well so that's that's something um as we're beginning to wind down a little bit, I just would love to continue to touch on the kind of business side of things as well. Like when you're going into your own business, you kind of, you had this structure, right? You had, even when it comes to high school, to, into college, like you have to wake up, you go to your classes, like it's kind of, you you do one thing, then the next, then the next, then you go into the military, that's even more structured. And then you go into a job and then you got to show up every day and show up at a place and you have a boss and then then you go into basically the opposite of that. So what was, what, how, what do you do for time management? Do you have like a morning routine? Like, or, or to keep your mindset correct for when you're working for yourself, like, um, do you have any, any, uh, anything specific that you do when it comes to mindset or, or time management? Um, so when I first got out, I feel like I didn't, I feel like I was just like, I'll just figure out as it goes. Um, and that hit me really hard because like you said, it go from like so much structure to, you know, you know, where literally like if I didn't make it to formation and my sergeant would show up six in the morning and yell at me to like a regular, you know, a regular job. But I you know still had hours and I had to pay my bills to like the exact opposite. Um, and that hit me hard because I had too much time. It would be one thing if when I got into business and I had immediate real estate clients, but I didn't. So I had 24 hours a day that I was just, you know, and I started procrastinating a lot and I, you know. You know, I got, I'm married, you know, it's awesome. I'm home, you know, so it, um, I'm back in your family. So that, that was a, a problem for me. I also know for me, I need simple solutions. I can't have like all these different systems and all this stuff that it doesn't work for me. I need things very simple. And I realized is we're on our phone all the time. So 
Um, whether you have Android or iPhone, you probably have like a reminders app. Um, so that's what I really did was the night before. I used to do it the day of. Now what I do is the night before. Now I know what I didn't get done the day before. Also know I have my calendar. I can see what's going on tomorrow. So then I'll use that reminders app. And I'll, I mean, like whatever the main things I need to get done, these are things I have to get done. They're on that app. And when I wake up, I roll out of bed. That's the first thing I say. And that's what really keeps me structured during the day, but also keeps it simple. Um, so those are two main things, calendar and like a reminders app or whatever you guys, you know, people have, um, you can download usually for free. That's what I, those two things really do keep me structured. Yeah. Very important. I live by my calendar. Um, I, I'm actually, <laughs> yeah, I, and I missed the meeting yesterday cause I, I just didn't put it on the calendar. You know, it's like, that's just what yeah. happens. And it was kind of like not the most formal meeting, but if I would have put it there and I would have remembered it, you know, it's, <laughs> it's all about writing it down. Like it doesn't matter if you write it down digitally or on paper. I do both. I have this and then that I fill out kind of day to day as I take notes. And then I have my bigger things on my calendar, but yeah, that's really important. Um, you know, how, what is, to kind of wrap it up, like what is next for David Justice? Is there books on the way? Is there courses? Is there more content? Is there more heavy focus on on real estate? Would love to talk about urban growth as well. If you want to just touch on it quickly, I, I we could probably do another episode kind of going into that because um, I know we're we're winding down here. But but uh, you know what's on the what's on your plate now, and then kind of what does that look like for the next you know year or so? Yeah, so um, my thing was for 2020, 2019 was I believe in multiple sources of income. Um, that way, not so that I can be rich, but so that I have the peace of mind so that I can focus on things I care about. Um, real estate is going to be a cash cow, but I really like to do the job. I care less how much it makes. So I'm, I'm looking to get to a point where I have my three avenues and I can do real estate for fun. That, and that's what I did last year was just get into my three avenues. I don't care how big they were. If they made me any money, I just want to be there. Um, 2022, they will all blow up. That That is the goal. Um, so real estate, um, I, 2022, I would turn into an investor. I'll still be an agent, but I'm looking to buy one or two properties next year. Um, and then uh, urban grown, in a, in a short story, I'll say it's we're microgreens or a small farm. Um, most people are thinking of cilantro, carrots, you know, apples, whatever, they're bigger. Uh, microgreens are what they sound like smaller versions of the parent plants you'll see them at a fancy restaurant on the side um, you'll see them at juicers you'll see them on sandwiches um, cilantro basil um, anything small that it's really small but it has a lot of dense nutrition in them so like a like a garnish kind exactly. of right is that what they call it so most yes. people that's what they're familiar with them for garnish but you can like i said you could throw them on a sandwich um, you'll really see them on a lot of tacos burgers, um, you know, if you're eating steak, just look around the side of it or on top of it, you'll probably see it, soups. Um, but it's four to 40 times more nutrient dense than if you were to get cilantro that was grown outside versus like indoors or organically under grow lights. And they also don't take months. It takes like a week or two to grow. So um, what we realize is we're trying to get healthier and stuff, but we also realize that population is growing in the cities. And it's something that is growing, but a lot of people don't know about this microgreen, so we wanted to jump in it. And actually in North Jersey, Trenton area too, there's actually places up there. And there's also places in Philly, but we know this in South Jersey, there's not really like a person. Um, so we decided to join that niche. So that's the goal is real estate investment next year, but then also to multiply the urban growing. Um, as far as books, I have probably six or seven in mind that I'm in my lifetime will be written. I'm working on one right now, but I'm just taking my time. Um, I always believe in improving and getting better. 
And my first book was awesome. It was what I felt like I wanted it to be is people were asking me how I was having success. And I, that's, I looked at my life and decision-making is, I feel like learning how to make decisions faster, but also not rational decisions. That was what's really helped me to get, take advantage of opportunities that I feel like everybody else gets. I just know how to take them faster than other people. And that's why I'm growing. Um, so that was like my life lesson that I wanted to share. And that's what I wanted that book to be. But I think my writing can always get better always, you know, and, and that's what I'm looking to do. So there will be a book next year, which will come soon. Learning to say F it, the book by David Justice. Make sure you get it. I have link in the show notes as well. David, let people know where they can find you on social media. Yeah. So on Instagram, Twitter, um, you can find me at David M Justice. Um, if you want to find, receive my book or purchase it, check it out. You can check it on my blog, theyoungmerchant.com. Um, it's an entrepreneur blog. So there's articles about taxes, articles about how to get featured on podcasts. Um, there's all kinds of different, very specific lessons that you can get on that blog and you can get my book on there as well. Amazing. Amazing. Read that. You might know how to get featured on this podcast if you use (laughs) (laughs) David's method. But if you're busy like us, then it's going to take a little while. But hey, David, we made it happen. Thank you so much for being here. I had a great time talking to you today. I don't even think we got into half of what we could have talked to to be talked about. Um, But that's hey, let's leave it for the next one. Right. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, we are on all platforms, even the ones that nobody uses. All the information is in the show notes. And please do not go anywhere. We have something for you in the outro. David, thanks for being here. Thank you. Hey, it's Sully. Before we head out, one quick ask. And let me describe this to you. Would you like to receive one email per month from me covering everything we talked about on the podcast during that month. This will also include music content, uh, videos, YouTube, video versions of the podcast, anything podcast or content related for the month covered in one email per month. So this is our newsletter. So if you would just go to sullybop.com on your phone, computer, tablet, whatever you're on right now, S-U-L-L-Y-B-O-P. So just type that in sullybop.com and scroll to the very bottom of that homepage and you'll see join our newsletter right there. Now, that will cover, as I said, all the topics we talk about on the podcast, just a synopsis of the content for the month. So if you feel that that would be valuable, please do join that. I will also include uh, things I'm reading, things I'm interested in this particular month, supplements I'm taking, etc. So if that's something that's up your alley, please join our newsletter. I would really appreciate it. Okay, let you go. Have a great one and we'll see you on the next one.